This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Tony Gable talks about indulgences. What is an indulgence? One body, stewarding God's creation. Why do we need them? One body, one body. Are they difficult to obtain? One body, stewarding God's creation. Well, let's find out. Tony is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. I want to welcome in Tony Gable. He's a graduate of Fort Hayes State University and Notre Dame Law School. He's currently a professor of business law at Fort Hayes State University. He's married to Christine, and they have two sons. And Tony and his family are members of Immaculate Heart of Mary in Hayes. Tony, it's wonderful to have you here with us today. How are you doing this morning, sir? Good morning, Cody. I'm doing very well this morning. I have a nice cup of coffee, and that's going to help out, especially at 7 a.m. <laughs> I had to get up a little extra early this morning, so I think I'm ready for this. How about yourself? Absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, as a convert, you know, this is one of the things that I can say that a lot of people get wrong, but also even, uh, you know, it's been 17 years since I came into the church. My baptismal anniversary actually was just the other day. Oh, well, congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, but I can also say that I've talked to a lot of Catholics that I think don't understand this too. Um, and just because of some of the problems that have been in the past, uh, you know, I, I think that it's wonderful to have you on. Help us to understand it better. Help us to maybe clear up some of those misunderstandings. So I'm going to let you hop in then, and, and we may end up giving away that first question. <laughs> well, that's all right. I, I was thinking, I think I know the answer to that first question. Uh, I, I might have a little quibble with, with what the answer is, uh, mm-hmm. especially with, with considering what indulgences are. Uh, but uh, hopefully during the, the course of this uh, less than an hour now, we'll be able to at least uh, – uh, clear up some misconceptions and at least get an idea of what these what these indulgences are and why the church uh, certainly promotes them and has believed in them, has uh, promoted them uh, through it, throughout its entire existence. So where, where do you want to begin at that? Uh, yeah, let's just start right there that, uh, you know, um, that helps clear it up is really what is an indulgence? Okay. Well, uh, we, we have a couple different sources for what that definition is, but uh, we, we can certainly go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, but maybe we should start a little bit more broadly before sure. that and ask, of so why do we need indulgences and why has the Church given those uh, th- this to us as part of its treasury of graces? So it, we need to start with the last things, uh, the four last things, uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And recognize that uh, once we die, uh, the time of mercy has closed for us. And so we go to our particular judgment at that point in time. We're either told that we have merited heaven or, or we have not and we're going to go to hell. But even if we have merited heaven, there is a question about do we go there right away? And so you have to bring in with this topic uh, the, the topic of purgatory and what purgatory is. And so what purgatory is, is is a state. It's not really a place, but it's more of a state of where uh, the temporal punishment that is due to the sins we have committed through our lifetime is, is, is taken away from us. And so we can either get rid of that temporal punishment now during our lifetime, or we can wait until later and, and have that temporal punishment removed from us or pay for that punishment 
uh, through through purgatory. And I, I suppose if you read the saints and if you've uh, read a few things about it, if you had your choice, you would rather do it now yes. uh, rather than wait until later. So we have to see that there is a close link between these two. So the church's teaching on purgatory, that, that it exists and that is something that we, we must go through in order to, to enter heaven, uh, that is certainly there. And as well as its, it's uh, teaching on indulgences, uh, that's something we must believe as Catholics, both of these things. And so let's go ahead and start off with a definition, and, and that probably will get us into, into some depth immediately. Yes. So. What is an indulgence? Let's turn to the best place as a resource, and that is the Catechism of the Catholic Church, probably the best place to go to. So we're looking at uh, the Catechism number 1471. So I'm going to read a quote here, and hopefully this will at least get everybody up to speed of what it is. So, quoting the Catechism, An indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins, whose guilt has already been forgiven which the faithful Christian who is duly disposed gains under certain prescribed conditions through the action of the church, which, as the minister of redemption, dispenses and applies with authority the treasury of the satisfactions of Christ and the saints. Continues. An indulgence is a partial or plenary, is, excuse me, an indulgence is partial or plenary according as it removes either part or all of the temporal punishment due to sin. The faithful can gain indulgences for themselves or apply them to the dead. So that is the definition from the catechism of what an indulgence is, and there's a lot to unpack just right there. So <laughs> Yes, there is. Yeah. You, you got any questions right now? How about that? <laughs> well, I think, you know, um, as I said, uh, being a convert myself, that's there's even a lot of misunderstanding as to what purgatory is. And just, you know, I, I think so that people understand that um, when you go to purgatory, there's no backsliding. You know, some people have an understanding that maybe um, you get it's like this second chance. If you didn't do too well in on Earth, well, you get. But that's not what it is. And also, once you go to purgatory, you are headed to heaven. There you go. That's right. So purgatory, yeah, there, there, that is not a second chance, not a second chance at all. Uh, purgatory is there to go ahead and cleanse you. And I think probably the best way to start this off is with a couple of analogies. And, and one, one particular quote I've liked for a long time. You're, of course, familiar with C.S. Lewis, are you not? Yes, sir. Yeah, C.S. Lewis, fantastic Christian apologist, mm -hmm. Anglican, so he yep. was Protestant. But what was interesting about C.S. Lewis is that even though he was, a, uh, was an Anglican, uh, and generally Protestants don't believe in purgatory, he did. And so he has this wonderful quote. Now, where it comes from is from his book, uh, Letters to Malcolm, uh, which is a, a similar to uh, Screwtape Letters. So it's a series mm -hmm. of letters in there. They're fictional letters. Uh, but this is from Letter 20. And so he's talking here about uh, after you die. The question is, where, if, you, if you have merited heaven, what, what to expect? So here's what he has, uh, some of his thoughts, quoting him. Our souls demand purgatory, don't they? Would it not break the heart if God said to us, It is true, my son, that your breath smells and your rags drop with mud and slime, but we are charitable here, and no one will upbraid you with, those th with these things, nor draw away from you. Enter into the joy. Should we not reply? With submission, sir, and if there is no objection, I'd rather be cleaned first. It may hurt, you know, would reply God. And we reply, Even so, sir. He continues, I assume that the process of purification will normally involve suffering, partly from tradition, partly because most real good that has been done to me in this life has involved it. 
So that is a very good description of what we can expect in the sense of, yes, we've merited heaven, but as we go there, we've all sinned through our, our lives. And, and even though we've gone to confession and we've confessed our sins, there's still this temporal punishment that the church recognizes is still attached to us that has to be paid for. So let's take a look at a couple of analogies. Uh, and analogies are never perfect. Correct. But they help us at least understand the concept. So say you're outside playing baseball, and in the process of playing baseball, you, you throw the ball or you hit the ball and you break a neighbor's window. So we have now a, an injury to a person in their property, and someone has to apologize for that because now we have this, this tear between us, between our neighbor and ourselves, because we've, we've broken something of theirs. So the first thing we have to do is we have to say, I'm sorry. We have to confess this, this, this harm that we have done and repair that relationship. Now the neighbor, of course, can at least in this world choose to forgive us or not, but let's say they're very charitable, they forgive us and that we now have mended that relationship. But we still have a problem, don't we? Yes. Yeah, and that exactly. problem would be the broken window, exactly. right? So someone still has to pay for that broken window. And so who has to pay for that? We do. So, so over time, if you're, a, if you're maybe a, a, a middle schooler or whatnot, you're going to be working extra jobs. You're going to be sweating a little bit more to gain that money to pay back the cost of that broken window. Or how about this? Another good analogy. You, you step in a nail, all right? So you've injured your foot. Well, the first thing that you do to take care of that injury is you pull that nail out. So now you've repaired the injury directly, but you still have the problem of cleaning that wound, caring for it, getting rid of that infection. You may have to take medicine for it. And so that heals it all the way as well. So that first injury is that sin. The second part is that temporal punishment due to sin that we have to repair. And so that's what we're looking at analogy-wise. Had a great two priests that I remember stories from that, that have also brought this up. Father Leo Blasi. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, my, my brother-in-law passed away. And Father Leo was the, the celebrant for that funeral mass. During his homily, he talked about purgatory, something that should be brought up in funerals regularly because, you know, the souls of the, the deceased, we, we want to believe, are, are going to enjoy the beatific vision. But very likely, they are going through the stage of being cleansed in, in, in this purgative state. And he said, you know, purgatory here, we can pray for that soul. Because purgatory is like power washing that truck, that dirty truck that you have. It's a really yeah. beautiful truck, but it's gotten somewhat dirty. But you're going to power wash that to get it nice and clean so you can, you can take it somewhere beautiful. That's what you're doing with your soul as you enter heaven. You're cleaning it in, in purgatory uh, through, through suffering that you have. Father, uh, Father Fred Gatchett once described purgatory as God playing peekaboo with you, with your individual <laughs> soul. That... As we have died, we're still in that state where we have that temporal punishment of sin attached to us, yeah. uh, that if we would see the full glory of God uh, immediately after, after our death, that, that uh, we probably couldn't stand it. So he, he plays peekaboo, gives us a little dose of that, and that sort of purges that, that excess temporal sin away from us. And those, those, those visions of God get longer and longer, and that means you're getting closer and closer to that beatific vision of being in heaven. And so those are really good ways of looking at what purgatory is, and then we bring in indulgences. So what are the indulgences that we can do now for ourselves what purgatory would do later for us? That is to remove that temporal sin. And as the catechism teaches, we can apply those indulgences 
to those who have already predeceased us, uh, the church suffering, because we have the, the church triumphant, yep. those are the saints that are in heaven, the church militant, those are those of us here on earth, and of course the church suffering, those who are in purgatory awaiting the beatific vision. So we can help those who are in purgatory because they can no longer pray for themselves. Yes. And wonderful. so we can help them get to that point of, of being with God. Yes, it is wonderful that we can help them. Uh, what Catholics don't teach is that indulgences take away your sin. That's correct. Because that can only be done by in Jesus. confession. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. It That's can right. only be done in confession. <laughs> it can only be done by Jesus. We can't ever merit that for ourselves. And so that maybe is a, is a, good, a good place for us to um, bring back in then where you left off um, with indulgences is, is t- for people to understand what we're not talking about here is there's nothing we can ever do to take away um, our, our sinfulness. Only Christ can do that. Right. And we do that through confession for, for mortal sins. And then there are, there are a number of ways we can actually receive absolute solution for our venial sins, mm-hmm. which is which is actually really beautiful. And most people, I, I, I wouldn't say most people, but I suspect people aren't quite aware of, of what we can do with regard to that. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and take a look at punishment for sin, and that gets us closer to the indulgences. So this is from the Catechism uh, 1472. Uh, it, it talks about the doctrine and practice of the church when it comes to indulgences. It's necessary to understand that sin has a double consequence. Okay, grave sin deprives us of communion with God and therefore makes us incapable of eternal life. That's why we go to confession when we have grave yeah. sins, mortal sins on our soul. Uh, so one of the things I'll just take a moment here and, and, and recommend to everyone as we're looking at indulgences, the very first thing you have to do is, is you have to go to confession if you have mortal <laughs> sins on your soul. Uh, get yourself to confession. Stay confessed. Absolutely one of, you know, it is a, a critical sacrament that we have, and I think it's underutilized. I would love to see our priests in the confessional for two hours on Saturdays every week. Absolutely. And, and utilize them to their fullest capacity in that way, because in, in that way, we really see the true mercy of God in, in operation and, and, and see, you know, we encounter Jesus in that sacrament, and it's so very important. Uh, so utilize our priests. If they, yep. This is one of their priestly functions is to absolve us our sins. Let's continue with this. So the privation of which, talking about uh, grave sin, which is called the eternal punishment of sin. Now, on the other hand, this is where it's very important. Every sin, every sin, even venial, entails an unhealthy attachment to creatures which must be purified either here on earth or after death in the state called purgatory. So let me repeat that one more time. Every sin, even venial, entails an unhealthy attachment to creatures which must be purified either here on earth or after death in the state called purgatory. So why is that important to see? It's, it's the attachment to creatures. That is what sin is. We are loving the created, not the creator. Correct. And so when we look at these indulgences and what the church recommends for us in order to rid us of this temporal punishment, what we are being asked to do is turn ourselves toward God turn ourselves away from the created and toward the creator. So when we look at these different actions we'll talk about later, keep that in mind. That is the ultimate goal that we have. Everything that God has asked us of us, even through the Blessed Virgin Mary, has always been turn yourself towards the Blessed Trinity. Turn yourself towards God. And if we do that, we break ourselves from these attachments. And that's how we can then 
you know, gain these indulgences and gain ultimately in the end the glory of God uh, in the beatific vision. So I'll continue here. This, this purification, again, from 1472 in the Catechism, this purification frees one from what is called the temporal punishment of sin. Uh, so that is what we're looking for, is yep. relieving that temporal punishment. So going back to what you just said just a few moments ago, we're not talking about the forgiveness of sins. Correct. That, that doesn't happen with us. We're talking about that part where we have to pay back for the broken window. We yep. have to go ahead and clean that wound and, and take the medicine. It's where we have to power wash that truck or ultimately play picky-boo with God in, in purgatory. We've got to go ahead and cleanse our soul, as C.S. Lewis says, to enter into heaven because that's really what's going to happen. If we see ourselves, we're going we're gonna to be probably – we will be embarrassed, and we don't want to enter in dirty. We want to be clean. And and as as he says, it's going to hurt, but in the end, it's going to be beautiful for us. Absolutely. And yeah, I would, I would agree with you that um, even using your analogy of a wound is, um, you know, we know um, from Scripture that um, nothing evil may enter heaven. Well, if nothing evil may enter heaven, then that means that no wound can be there. And of course, we would not see, you know, if we were given the beatific vision and we were able to see everybody else um, enjoying God in his presence and uh, purely purified, you know, no wounds, no no problems whatsoever. And yet we were like, ah, but I'll go hobble along for eternity while everybody else is, you know, frolicking around and, and uh, you know, doing whatever you can do without having any limitations. It, it, I think the same thing holds is you would absolutely go, no, 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 please heal this wound so that I may enter in clean so that nothing unclean um, will come with me. Right. And when you mention that, it's mentioned in Scripture, uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter yeah. 21. So when we're talking here, John is talking about the, the, the coming of, of the heavenly Jerusalem. And he says here in verse 20, let's see, start with uh, verse 24, uh, speaking of this heavenly Jerusalem. The nations will walk by its light, and, it, and to it the kings of the earth will bring their treasure. During the day its gates will never be shut, and there will be no night the treasure and wealth of the nations will be brought there, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does abominable things or tells lies. Only those who will enter, only those will enter whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So nothing unclean will enter it. So we're told very explicitly that we must be clean in order to enter heaven. Yeah. And if we die in the state of grace, no mortal sin, but we still have this temporal issue, this, this, this temporal uh, sin that we, we've, we've got to get rid of, that's what purgatory is for. Now, can we sort of bypass purgatory as, 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 uh, once we die? The answer is, it's certainly possible. And that's where indulgences come from, or at least that's what the church at least teaches through the, its, its doctrine on indulgences, that we can take care of our temporal punishment for sin by engaging in these indulgences. And more importantly, or as important, we can apply these indulgences that we gain to those people who have already died to pray for them and help them along the path to heaven. All right. So, and that becomes important later. So how do we obtain an indulgence? That's where it gets really quite interesting and a little bit technical. So Vatican II, 
So prior to Vatican II, we, there, there were plenty of prayers that were indulgences. I suspect maybe you've come across some of these uh, older prayer cards. I don't know if you've seen some of them. And they tell you that if you do this particular prayer, you get an indulgence for so many days, you know, so many yeah. days yeah. or so many years. So I have one here if anybody wants to see uh, uh, on Rumble. I've got one here. And this was given to me right after, right after I was married to my wife. It's a husband's daily prayer. I was trying to find it uh, where, where the source of it was. It has actually who approved of this. But uh, saying this prayer was 100 days indulgence. So you're saying 100 days indulgence. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> we the, the church in, in Vatican II and Pope Paul VI has pretty much said, look, we're, we're, we're suppressing that idea of days or years or whatever that is. You either have a plenary indulgence or a partial indulgence. And so when we see like 100 days, that was a partial indulgence. But what did the 100 days mean? Well, the 100 days, what it meant was that saying this prayer would be the equivalent of a penance that would be given to you to take care of that temporal punishment due to your sin, a penance that would be lasted 100 days. So just imagine that. By doing a prayer, doing it devoutly, instead of doing 100 days of penance, you're taking care of it with this one prayer. That's what that meant. So the church has basically said, don't get tied up in that. Don't get tied up with the, the numerical count. What you need to look at is you're doing something that will partially remit that temporal punishment due to the sin, or perhaps through plenary indulgence, remit all of it for those sins you've committed. And that plenary indulgence, that's, that's extraordinarily powerful when you think about it, taking care of all the temporal punishment due to your sins you've committed. So the goal is, how, how do we gain a, gain a plenary indulgence, right? Absolutely. And so, that's maybe a good place for us to take a really quick okay. break. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more from Tony Gable on indulgences. One body, shooting God's creation. On one body stewarding God's creation. One body. One body. Indulgences. One body. With Tony Gable. One body. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. One body. And we are going to get straight back to Tony Gable on indulgences. Uh, we were on a wonderful topic, um, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, how do you obtain a partial or plenary indulgence? And to kind of break us into that, um, I think it would be good for us to really pay attention to this is not something that is like a cheat necessarily or anything like that. Um, this is this is due to the mercy of God. Are you a gamer? And so um, I used to be years ago, not anymore, but, but yes. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's what we want to look at is um, a lot of people, um, especially if you have difficulties with this, know that this all comes because of the mercy of God wanting us to enter into it. And so if he offers us something and says, this will help you um, in the afterlife, then we should take care of it. Uh, we should take advantage of it right now. And so, Tony, if you could get us back then to what is or how do we obtain these indulgences? 
Right. It, it, in, in many different writings, it's, it's referred to as these. this is part of the treasury of the church, the graces that are there available to us. And, and many times, I, I think we are blind to those beautiful treasures that exist within the Catholic Church, yeah. those graces that the church in her motherly love makes available to us uh, to help us gain heaven. And, and we don't see those or are blind to those or we haven't been alerted to them. You, using, using the gamer lingo, when you said is a cheat, uh, you know, when you're, when you're walking around in some of those games, you're looking for hidden little packages here or there for, to increase the health of your life and whatnot. And, and you know what to look for, so you're trying to find them. But at times, I think we don't even know exactly what to look for. Yep. And these are all available to us. And we walk through a day and we don't realize what we're missing out on and what we can be gaining. So what can we do to gain an indulgence? Now, uh, I want to jump back to Vatican Council II and just uh, sort of bring back uh, this idea of what they did then. So in 1967, Pope Paul VI uh, issued uh, the Apostolic Constitution on the revision of indulgences. Okay, so if you get yourself a a copy of the Vatican uh, Council II documents, and I'm showing this up uh, on on Rumble there. So anybody who wants to go ahead and watch us live, they can go to Rumble and take a look at us there. It's, It's in here. Also, if you want a handier book, a handier book, in fact, it's called the Handbook of Indulgences. I'll try to pronounce the Latin a little bit later. I'm not that really (laughs) good. But this is what was produced based upon that apostolic constitution. It is a handbook that is very easy to read and will help the faithful to not only recognize the indulgences, but put them into practice in our our daily life so we can gain those benefits to to access that treasury of mercy and grace from Holy Mother Church that that has been given to us um, uh, by by Christ himself. So here's what it needs, what one needs to do in order to gain an indulgence. And so I'm going to read to you from from this. uh, So from the norms as described in this handbook, I begin with paragraph 20. So here, to be capable of gaining indulgences, a person must be baptized. So that's that, I, that would be you and me, I think. Mm-hmm. So so we've been baptized, not excommunicated. I, I don't believe I've been excommunicated. I, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> in, in the state of grace, at least at the time the prescribed works are completed. So baptized, uh, not excommunicated in the state of grace. So no mortal sin on our souls. Okay, so that is why... One of the first things you ought to be doing is going to confession. You know, yeah. Go to confession. Get yourself there, especially at this time of the year with Advent and, and this penitential time, and to open ourselves to the graces that are just available in this season of Advent. So not only in the indulgences, but just, just with the, the season the church is in right now. Get yourself to confession. Put our good priests to work. Let them, let them exercise their priestly duties. Now, number two, to actually gain an indulgence, the person must have at least the general intention of doing so and must perform the acts enjoined at the time stipulated and in the manner required according to the tenor of the grant. Now, what that means is, is you have to intend to do, to gain that indulgence, Correct. and you've got to do the prescribed work. Okay? So how does one gain an in- how does one make the intention? Well, you just say to yourself, I want to gain this indulgence. Now, what's nice is, is that, do you, do you have a morning prayer that you use from time to time? Uh, hopefully every yeah. morning? <laughs> yes, uh, a lot of times I actually just sit down with the uh, gospel of the day, um, and that is my morning prayer. That's your morning prayer. Mm-hmm. Well, how about this morning offering? So something to add into it, because this is one that I use every morning, and this takes care of that general intention. All right? So it is one I pray 
something familiar, maybe some people have uh, or have heard of. So, oh my God, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Now, if you wear a scapular, if you're part, if you've been enrolled in the brown scapular, this is where you would actually kiss your scapular. And that becomes important a little bit later on too. I offer thee the precious blood of Jesus from all the altars throughout the world, joining with it the offering of my every thought, word, and action of this day. Oh my Jesus, I desire today to gain every indulgence and merit I can. And I offer them together with myself to Mary Immaculate, that she may best apply them in the interests of thy most sacred heart. Precious blood of Jesus, save us. Immaculate heart of Mary, pray for us. Sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. So at that moment, when you make that prayer, you've now stated your general intention to gain indulgences throughout the day. So right away, you've now lifted your mind to God and said, this is, this is what I want to do. So you've satisfied that, that first part, that, that second part. So Correct. baptism state of grace, not excommunicated. Now you've made the intention to go ahead and gain indulgences, and now you can begin to gain those indulgences. So let's go ahead and do with the, uh, let's go ahead and see what a uh, plenary indulgence is. A plenary indulgence may be gained only once on any given day, okay? And number two, a partial indulgence may be gained several times a day unless something different is explicitly stated. So you can gain a plenary indulgence once a day, Partial indulgences multiple times a day. And in a few moments here, I'm going to look at the time here so I don't forget this. I'm going to try to put this all together into a, a day and how you can actually do this and okay. pull all these things together. So the prescribed work for gaining a plenary indulgence, okay, so I'm going to jump down here. So beside the exclusion from all attachment to sin, even venial sins, the requirements for gaining a plenary indulgence are the performance of the indulgence to work and the fulfillment of three conditions, sacramental confession, Eucharistic communion, and prayer for the Pope's intentions, okay? What a lot of people get stuck on with plenary indulgences is this thing called the requirement of, of an exclusion of all attachment to sin, even venial sin. And people say, well, I commit venial sins all the time, so I can never, I can never possibly gain a plenary indulgence. And so just understand that attachment to sin doesn't mean that you have sinned. I mean, we mm -hmm. all sin. It's that idea that you are attached to that sin and you're going to keep repeating it. You have no intention of separating yourself from it. Go back to what we talked about in the catechism, the idea of breaking ourselves from the creatures. We want to move from the created, turn ourselves towards God, the creator. That's the idea of removing our attachment even to venial sin, okay? But let's focus on the, plen or the uh, partial indulgences. What are these? Well, let's take a look at three types of indulgences that there are. And you have to understand, uh, these are teachings that are very, very ancient. They've just been restated here in 1967 to sort of put in the context we understand in modern day. But we already know these. It's prayers, almsgiving, and fasting. Yep. Okay, so here are the three grants. These are the general grants. A partial indulgence. So, again, if you're baptized, not excommunicated, state of grace, and you have intention to, to gain the indulgence. Partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, while performing their duties and enduring difficulties of life, raise their minds in humble trust to God and make at least mentally some pious invocation. So what does that mean? Fortunately, the, the folks who wrote this, the apostolic <laughs> penitentiary, gave us a great example. He said, in this first type of a grant of an indulgence is attached only to those acts in which the Christian faithful raise up their minds to God, as described, while they perform their duties and put up with the difficulties of life. How many times have we heard different people say, and I remember my mother always telling me this, 
offer it up. Whether it was I had a twisted ankle and I was pained there, or I had to obey and I didn't really want to do what mom told me to do, or I had to be kind to my sisters or whatnot, she would say, offer it up. Those are the difficulties of life. And if we pray and raise that to God, that is going to gain us a partial indulgence. We suffer and we say, this is for you, God. Now, there are different prayers, we'll look at those later, that we can join to that, but that's a partial indulgence. And doesn't that just make sense, I think, um, with how you're explaining it, that if we just think about it logically, uh, why does an indulgence work? Well, it works first because God said so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's his mercy. But logically thinking about it, if you are a person who goes through your day and does something like starts with that prayer prayer that you um, started us with, the, the morning offering, and then you are a person who regularly goes to confession and receives the sacraments, well, of course, then that would equate to I am trying to bring myself closer to God. And bringing yourself closer to God means you have less attachments to the created goods of this world. So just logical reasoning would say, oh, that makes sense. That's so. right. And so these are here, these, these treasures here, not only do they take care of the temporal punishment due to sin, either partially or in a plenary completely, but they are always turning us towards God. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, exactly. Isn't that what Holy Mother Church wants for us? Absolutely. So these are here. You, you get the graces and the indulgences attached to them, and you are being slowly trained to Absolutely. turn yourself always towards the Creator. Second one, almsgiving. Partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, prompted by a spirit of faith, devote themselves and their goods, or their goods, excuse me, in compassionate service to their brothers and sisters in need. So, Cody, what are you doing right now? Well, we're trying to get the truth of Christ out there to people. Right. And are you devoting yourself in service to that, compassionate service to your brothers and sisters who are in need of hearing that word of God? That's a good point. Are you? I would think so. Are you? Do you have the general intentions of gaining that indulgence? One could argue right now that you are gaining a partial indulgence through your work here at Divine Mercy Radio during this time of, of, of this, uh, of this uh, carathon. So right there, we, we have that ability. The, the taking of our goods and helping those in need, those who are hungry, those who are poor, those who are not clothed, those who are ignorant and we need to teach them. Those are the sorts of things that we're seeing here. This is, this is tied to that. And no, the th- I won't do a um, on-air confession with Father coming up next hour, though. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do yeah. that privately. Yeah, that would be good. And number three, fasting. So here's a third general one. A partial indulgence is granted to the Christian faithful who, in the spirit of penitence, voluntarily abstain from something which is licit for them and pleasing to them. So you deny yourself something you could have. So you see that uh, spiced pumpkin latte that's being advertised at one of the (laughs) coffee shops. Oh, I need to have that. But you deny yourself that. And in the spirit of penitence, offer that up to God. So there's a partial indulgence there. Let's go ahead and get into the other types of indulgence grants. And this is where what we would normally consider, people might be familiar with, is the various indulgence prayers that one could offer up. And these tie to that very first general grant, the idea of raising one's mind to God as we endure the different trials in life and and praying to it with some pious invocation. So that's where this comes from. Now, I just want to show you very quickly. uh, This is the Recalta. This actually contained all the different indulgence prayers. 
years. Those small ones you saw uh, that we normally see the days associated yeah. years. This was it. I mean, this was in 1950s when this was published last. It's huge. Yeah, that's the size of a Bible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But there are so many beautiful prayers in here. And uh, so now what has happened with this um, uh, revision of indulgences is that the number of prayers that are indulgence directly have been reduced. So it, it focuses the mind on actually performing the work as opposed to just you know, thinking, well, if I just say this, somehow this will work. But yeah. it, it tries to get us to do what we're supposed to do as Christians and raising our mind to God. Now, what the what the apostolic penitentiary has basically said is, look, certain prayers listed in this section, these prayers merit great respect owing to their divine inspiration or their antiquity and upon their more or less universal usage. But as they point out, upon close inspection, it becomes obvious that these prayers are already included in the first general type of grant, that idea of praying and raising one's mind to God. Now, of these different types of indulgence grants in here, these different works, they do mention these. We're going to come back to these at the end here. Worthy special mention uh, are those grants which list works by which the Christian faithful, by performing any one of them, can obtain a plenary indulgence every day of the year. So plenary indulgences, remember, these are the ones that essentially wipe out all the temporal punishment that is due to your, to your sins. So adoration of the Blessed Sacrament at least a half an hour, devout reading of sacred scriptures for at least one half hour, devout performance of the Stations of the Cross, the recitation of the Marian Rosary in a church or oratory with members of the family in a religious community or in pious association. Well, those four things, those are four things we can easily do to potentially gain a plenary indulgence. Okay, so plenary indulgences require a bit more than just a partial. Partial is just to have to, again, baptism, not excommunicated, state of grace, intention of gaining it, and then doing prescribed work. So let's go ahead and put all this together for one particular day. Now, if I can find my notes, because I kind of <laughs> jotted this out here. So I thought, hey, why not we pick Sunday? Sunday is a day of prayer. Sunday we go to mass. We probably do a lot of different things. What can we see in an ordinary day like Sunday? But more importantly, any ordinary day. Some of these things we might not do, but other times we may do them. So let's take a look. So number one, first thing we have to do is we have to have an intention, uh, even a general intention, to gaining the indulgence. So in your morning offering of prayer, when you first get up and you make that prayer, you gain that general intention. In fact, there's another prayer in here that is a morning prayer, a prayer at the beginning of the day, prayer number 21. Almighty God, you have given us this day, strengthen us with your power, and keep us from falling into sin, so that whatever we say or think or do may be in your service and for the sake of your kingdom. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. We've gained a partial indulgence just with that. So right away, the very first thing you're doing, the moment you make that morning offering, that morning prayer, you're turning yourself towards God, you're raising your mind towards God, right? And so you're drawing closer to him, and you're gaining this, in, this indulgence. Second thing is with that earlier morning offering, when you take your, your scapular and you kiss it and you renew that pledge to your brown scapular, that scapular also has a partial indulgence, believe it or not. So if we go to the Indulgence Act number 35, that is where we see sacramentals are given a particular partial indulgence. Use of devotional objects. The Christian faithful obtain a partial indulgence when they make a devout use of a devotional object, such as a crucifix or cross, a rosary, a scapular, or a medal, which has been rightly blessed by any priest or deacon. So right there, you've gained a couple indulgences right when you get up in the morning. Third indulgence you can gain, a partial indulgence, is 
say your guardian angel prayer. Do you know your guardian yeah. angel prayer? Yes. Yes, that is, that is an indulgenced prayer. That is number eight of these indulgences. So, so now you're asking your guardian angel to assist you throughout the day. By the way, your guardian angel is perhaps the most underutilized gift that God has yeah. ever given us. That, that, that guardian angel is there with us to guard us, to guide us, to give us insights. If only we develop that relationship with that guardian angel. So yep. saying that prayer every morning, now you've gained a partial indulgence, and you've also started building that relationship with your guardian angel. So now you go to church. So it's Sunday morning, and you go to Mass, you enter church. What do you do when you first enter the, enter the church? Generally, you dip your finger into the holy water. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so making the sign of the cross and quietly saying, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, yep. partial indulgence. Not only that, but if you think about this and you think of the water and, of course, your baptism, you can also cleanse yourself of venial sins if you're contrite. Yep. So, oh my goodness, now you've got these things that are going on right when you walk into Mass. When you enter the church, now this one I'm, I'm a little bit unclear on, but okay. I, I've been trying to figure this one out because it's in the Recalta, but adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. So I think what they're looking at there is actually spending time in front of the yeah. sacrament for an extended period of time. But any time we genuflect, and in the Recalta at least noted that, when you genuflect and, and you pay due reverence to the Blessed Sacrament, you know, uh, I, I adore you, O Christ, in the sacrament of your love. That used to be a partial indulgence. Uh, even if it's not a partial indulgence now, the graces of recognizing the real presence, the, the yeah. body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ residing in that tabernacle, especially now in this year as, as we're working on the Eucharistic revival in, in, in the United States absolutely, and the next couple of years, that is so very important. The graces that flow from that are just, just tremendous. While you're at Mass, the Nicene Creed is indulgence as a prayer. Now, the Mass itself is not indulgence because it is the highest thing that we could have, a purification, a sanctification, along with the sacraments. But saying that creed, after Mass, after you receive communion, two prayers that are indulgence. If you stay after Mass and just kneel and say, thank you, God, for everything you've given, you probably are familiar with the Anima Christi, you know, Solo Christ, sanctify Mm -hmm. me. That is an indulgence prayer. Also, the prayer before the crucifix the one that's also on the back of the missalette that you'll find these things, right? So the, uh, I don't have it on the back of this one, but it always changes during the seasons. That also is an indulgence prayer. But if you make it to Mass early enough, and this is the critical thing, and I think a lot of people miss out on this. You make the Mass early enough around Hayes area, you have an opportunity to do what? Say a rosary with everyone that is there. The rosary is indulgenced itself, partially, but when you say it with a community at Mass, you can potentially gain a plenary indulgence. You know, that is a missed opportunity if we don't, you know, explain that. Because how do we get that plenary indulgence then? So what is required of a plenary indulgence? So we know what's required of a partial indulgence, but let's go back to the plenary real quick and just get those things out there too. So beside exclusion from all attachment to sin, even venial sin, so not only have you made remission for your sin when you bless yourself with holy water, but of course the idea is, is you want to repent. You, you don't want to be part of that venial sin anymore. Right. You do the prescribed act, say the rosary in community, right? And then you fulfill the three conditions, sacramental confession. Now that sacramental confession can be several days before or after you complete the work, okay? But 
Eucharistic communion, you're going to receive at Mass, and then prayer for the Pope's intentions. So for the Holy Father, the typical ones that are, are said is, in fact, all that's required uh, by the Apostolic Penitentiary is an Our Father and a Hail Mary. Typically, I throw in a Glory Be as well, yeah. because the Holy Father needs all the prayers he can have and, 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 and yep. can get. And so for those prayers of intention for the Holy Father, you've done the performed work you gained a, potentially a plenary indulgence. Now, there will be some people say you can. It's, it's too difficult to gain. Holy Mother Church never gives us anything that is impossible to do. So yeah. to say that it can't be done is just wrong. It can be done. We just have to meet those requirements, and we have to trust in the mercy of God as well. And that's an absolutely critical thing. We have to trust in the mercy of God. So you pray your rosary. You head home. Maybe on that Sunday, you read your Bible for a half hour. Plenary indulgence. Perhaps you go by a grave site or uh, by, by a cemetery or maybe visit a grave of relative that day. You pray the uh, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, prayer. That's a partial indulgence not for you, but for that deceased soul. And that's wonderful. And then, of course, the Angelus maybe, and then night prayer. I mean, there are so many different ways. During the course of a day, any day, we have the opportunity to pay for the temporal punishment due to our sins, to gain those indulgences. And, and short, shorten our time in, in purgatory and perhaps eliminate it altogether. Tony, is there anything that uh, you would like to cover? You know, we have just a few minutes here, um, and uh, I wish we had a lot longer, but uh, is there one last thing that maybe you want to uh, cover for us and let us know before uh, you leave us here today? Yes, and that is okay. uh, application to the deceased. Okay, very uh, good. So from that standpoint, yes, we can gain these indulgences for ourselves. The morning offering I read earlier before uh, essentially allows to ask the Blessed Virgin to apply them in the interests of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So you're basically giving a complete control of the indulgences you gain, and you give them over to God. Say, apply these as best as you can. You know, apply them in your interests, wherever they fit the most. But sometimes maybe we want to direct them to, to a particular person uh, who has deceased parent, a sibling, a loved one, to help them along in purgatory because they do need our prayers. They can no longer pray for themselves. And so I always think of, of those, those souls that are forgotten uh, yeah. and, and that are there and, and are waiting for, for some relief from uh, the, the, the purgative effects of purgatory. And, and so our prayers can help them greatly. Now, there was a question here that Danetta asked <laughs> that we address. Is there a particular time of year that uh, these might also have, a, have, a, have a more of an effect? And the answer is, well, at least when it comes to the dead, yes. So if we visit a cemetery, which is really quite interesting, and pray for deceased there, then there is, a, uh, there is an indulgence, a partial indulgence. But what is fascinating is that if you visit there, and I'm trying to find it, and I had it jotted down, I, I don't know uh, which number it is. If you visit a cemetery during the octave of All Saints, mm -hmm. so November 1st through the 8th, you can gain a plenary indulgence, potentially, for a deceased soul. A, a plenary indulgence, which is tr Wonderful. tremendous. One each one of those days. And that's the only time it's available uh, with regard to, to that. And so, um, and that's why, it, it, especially at that time, is to go to Mass daily during that time and then make yourself go over to the, to the cemetery and visit and pray for those souls that are there and ask God to apply that, that you know, obviously, that, that indulgence to the deceased. 
So that, that's something very special during that time of the year. Wonderful. Tony, thank you so much for your time. You know, as I've said several times, I wish we had more time with every guest here. <laughs> uh, there's so much that we could cover, but you yeah. definitely enlightened us today um, into a little bit of purgatory indulgences. And, uh, it, you know, uh, if you guys listened, please uh, use this wisdom that he imparted on us um, to, to really research that and understand how many times you have available every day um, to be able to um, enter into God's mercy through these indulgences. Uh, would you like us to leave us with one last word? Go to confession. <laughs> awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you for being here with us um, and uh, continue to pray for us. And thank you very much, Cody. <laughs> Absolutely. This year, Divine Mercy Radio is celebrating Mother Angelica as she would have been 100 years old this April. And so we will end this show with a quote from Mother. Here goes. I remember when I had a spinal operation and the doctors told me that I might never walk again. I was scared. I shook in that bed and I was petrified. But I said, Lord, I know you'll take care of me. And believe me, I shook all the way to the operating room. The Lord did take care, but not before I had to go through a real purification period. I had to believe when I saw nothing, and seeing nothing is scary. So don't feel bad if you have a similar reaction. If you feel afraid and you question, don't think for a minute it's because you lack faith. Sometimes all that fear is the road to faith. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, Harden not your hearts.